Would you join me as we pray? Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. You've inspired even the Apostle John to write it. Help us to believe that what we read this morning is true. Open our minds and our hearts to really believe that and to want to live out, to want to live out what it teaches. Empower me in my preaching of your word that I might preach for the good of your people, for the good of others, for the glory of Jesus. Amen. I first had a desire to become a pastor when I was 15 years old. At the church I grew up in, the minister so loved the Lord and his people that I wanted to be like him when I was older. When I shared this conviction with my close friends at school, that news got shared with others at school. And soon I got the name Priesty Boy. I gave up trying to explain the difference between a a priest and a pastor and why I wanted to do that for Jesus because the other students weren't interested in, 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 in listening and rather they were only interested in teasing. I knew ministry would have to wait till I was older but I got so sick of the put downs and the laughing that I gave up on that plan. I am ashamed to say it but I thought that following Jesus in that way wasn't worth it. I didn't want to suffer. In fact, in year 12, when some year seven boy came up to me and said, are you the one who wants to be a priest? I denied it. I am ashamed that I lied. I wasn't willing to suffer for Jesus' sake. And I got deeply convicted that I had denied my Lord. So when I hear Peter saying to Jesus in John chapter 13, I will lay down my life for you, and then later that night denying him three times that he knows Jesus, I see not only Peter's sin, I see my own. And I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of all my sins, all of our sins that come through trusting Jesus. And when we've experienced Christ's love and forgiveness, I pray that God's word today will make us want to testify to him. I'll have three points this morning. They're summed up by three words. uh, Love, die, and testify. First is love. If you remember from last week, the disciples are with the risen Jesus on a beach by the Sea of Galilee. They just hauled in this huge catch of fish, which would have been a reminder that they needed to go fishing. Fishing for people, that is. Jesus had provided for them both the catch and the breakfast, and now picture Jesus and Peter taking a walk along the beach. In in verse 15, Jesus uses, uses Peter's formal name, Simon, son of John, I think indicating the seriousness of what he's about to ask. Do you love me more than these? More than these could refer to uh, Peter loving Jesus more than fishing or, or more than his fellow disciples or I think most likely more than these other men do. More than these men love me. It brings to mind his words to Jesus in Matthew 26. 
first slide not working. Matthew 26, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Peter had thought that he'd be faithful, even if everyone was everyone else was faithless. He thought he'd love Jesus, even if everyone else didn't. And what happened? He denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus is asking him three times, do you love me? Peter's answer reveals that the point isn't particularly that Peter loves Jesus more than the others, but that he really does love Jesus. Look at his answers. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the third time, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. In Jesus coming to Peter and asking him three times, he's assuring Peter of forgiveness, assuring Peter that his relationship with him and his heavenly father has been restored. Peter has been forgiven. He's been reconciled, restored, reinstated. He's not only reconciled to Christ, but restored to a place of leadership and trust. Why? Because of the love of Jesus. Because of the love and grace of God. And so before we think about Peter's love for Jesus and what Peter says, remember Jesus' love for Peter comes first. Jesus went to the cross to forgive Peter's sin. Yours and mine. Jesus went to the cross dying the death that we deserved taking the penalty that we deserve for our sin so we could be forgiven. 1 John chapter 3 says, this is how we know what love is. That's what John writes. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That is extravagant love. It's boundless love and grace. And we love because he first loved us. So I'm asking you this morning, have you experienced the love and grace of God in him forgiving your sins? When you and I trust in Jesus and submit to him as Lord, as Psalm 103 said, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And he's done it because so great is his love for those who fear him. No matter how desperate our failure or how deep-seated our shame, he can forgive us and renew us and then use us in his service. Failure is never final with God. And doesn't the Lord's Supper remind us of that? A few years ago, I sat talking to a woman called Mary who shared with me that though she'd been a Christian for 60 years, she not only knew that she sinned every day, but she knew all the sins that she'd committed before coming to Christ. And she rejoiced knowing that all those sins were forgiven and and washed away. I could see the joy in her face. Do you rejoice 
knowing the forgiveness of all your sins through Jesus. And experiencing the love of Jesus in our forgiveness, the, the right response to that is to love him in return. And he asked, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? I wonder if Jesus asked you that question, how, how you'd answer it. Do you love him more than anything? More than anyone? We're not meant to get hung up on the different Greek words used for love here. John actually varies the verbs that he uses when repeating things. The way Peter is to express his love is in doing what Jesus says three times. Did you notice that? Feed my lambs. Take care of or shepherd my sheep. Feed my sheep. The way Peter loves his Lord is by caring for the Lord's people. And the way he cares for Christ's people is by feeding them God's words. Teaching them the words of the good shepherd. Remember too that the word pastor means shepherd. Your pastors have this same God-given role feeding you the word of God that you might grow to maturity in Christ. And so I ask, are you listening? Are you making the most of opportunities to hear and dig into and feed spiritually on God's word? On Sundays, yes, but, but there's other opportunities in growth group. In each day, you could sign up for the daily devotions that Neil has been writing. Email the church office if, you'd, if you would like to receive those. But this taking care of others is not just a task for pastors. In this COVID crisis, I know many of you have been calling and loving and texting and caring for others, and it really encourages people. I'm encouraged to hear of it happening. Or maybe you've forgotten that speaking the word of God to encourage others is something we're all called to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we read there, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. It's written to the whole church. Please remember what we just heard in the interview this morning from Jane Knowles. So I ask, who could you call? Could you send a, an encouraging text message to someone this week with a, a Bible verse? Jesus loved us in dying to forgive us. So let's love him by loving his people. This brings us to our second brief point, die. Uh, Jesus wants Peter to feed his sheep even unto death. When you're older, verse 18, you'll be led where you don't want to go. Your hands will be stretched out. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter, by which Peter would glorify God. Several early church fathers writing between 90 and about 195 AD all affirm that Peter was martyred, crucified by Nero, about 30 years after Jesus. 
Jesus' call to Peter to follow him, verse 19, is ultimately a call to die. But do you remember Jesus' words in Matthew 16, verse 24? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever. The call to follow Jesus is a call to die for Peter and for us. Jesus calls you and I to die, to die daily to ourselves to living for ourselves, to indulging our sinful desires, die to thinking of ourselves first, putting ourselves first. It's a call to a cross-shaped life of sacrifice, service, and self-denial. What might that look like for you? Maybe getting off the couch or out of your room to help with the dishes the washing, or your child, or your sister's schoolwork. Maybe it means taking time to call someone to ask how they're going, when honestly you're tired and you'd rather do nothing. Or you give of your money to support the Deacon's Hardship Fund to provide at the moment for those who have no income. Or at home, you patiently listen instead of being quick to speak or defend yourself. Or with courage, me speaking of the hope that Jesus gives me with my friend. All this and more is the daily dying to self. As Peter and Jesus walk and talk, the Apostle John, we're told, is following behind and Peter asks, will he die for you too? Jesus doesn't satisfy Peter's curiosity and essentially says it's none of your business. John 21 is really like the epilogue of John's gospel. The great conclusion was at the end of chapter 20. And here John may be responding to some disciples who who did think he was going to live forever or live till Jesus returned. John, though, did eventually die. But he wrote this gospel and he wrote the letters of John. And as an old man exiled on an island, he wrote Revelation. So one of Jesus' disciples leads and feeds the flock, then dies. And the other serves Jesus with a a long life by writing an eyewitness account and more. Our final point is testify. As verse 24 says, John, though he doesn't name himself when he writes, John wrote these things down. Jesus did many other things, but do you remember why John wrote the things down, which he did? A verse we've heard a few times in recent weeks, John 20, verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. And if you look at 21, verse 24, John is testifying to these things, bearing witness to them. And that phrase, we know that his testimony is true. It could be referring to the elders of the Ephesian church who are with John, who 
vouch for his testimony, but it could be that John is using what's called an editorial we and he's actually still referring to himself. John has been interchanging the, the use of I and we in the book. Regardless, the point is, Jesus is the crucified, now risen, living, ruling, mighty Lord. John has witnessed it and he testifies that all that he has written is true. He's written it so that you may believe, so that people may believe that the truth about Jesus. As we've seen throughout the book, Jesus is the eternal word of God come in the flesh. We've seen throughout this series over a year and a half or so that he's the one who can forgive sins. He fed thousands. He raised the dead. Jesus is the one who's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, his people. Jesus is the servant king. And I hope that going through John's gospel has moved you to trust in him or, or trust him more. But the final challenge that the book leaves us with, us believers with, is playing our role in his mission to the world. John saw and testifies to the truth about Jesus. And while we haven't physically seen Jesus with our eyes, we love him. We, brothers and sisters, we know that he has saved us, he's forgiven us, he's changed us. And as we remain in Jesus the vine and abide in him, he enables us to bear fruits and to testify to him. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8, just before he ascended to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that task of taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth has been left to every generation of disciples since the task of being witnesses, of testifying to the truth about Jesus has been passed to us, passed to you. John knows that when we tell people true words about Jesus and they believe, they receive life, eternal life. I'm not seeking to force or guilt you into this. I truly believe that when we keep focused on Jesus and loving him, we will just speak words of hope, of life beyond this life to others. Speak about who he is and what he's done and what matters to us. You'll speak about how thankful you are that your slate has been wiped clean. You're forgiven and free. We'll testify to the way God answers our prayers. Last night, driving home from a wedding I conducted online yesterday, I heard on Light FM the song Changed. It's called Changed by Jordan Feliz. And he said, go on and testify how I was dead and then I came to life. No more living in the dark of night. Now everything's all right. I've been changed. I've been saved. Maybe you could testify to that too. Kids, if you're listening and in the room, 
You can testify to, you can testify that Jesus is strong and kind as we sing. You can testify that you can be strong and courageous because God is looking after you. Kids, you can tell your friends that Jesus is strong and he is kind and he died so that you could be friends with God. You can tell that to your friends too. Someone once said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We're all in need. I serve on the Australian board of a global mission called World Team and our international director recently wrote, how is making disciples the opposite of COVID-19? Well, we want more points of contact, not less. Don't flatten the conversation's curve. Let's together figure out how to engage more people and and spread the, the gospel bug. And at this time when it's easier to talk and make friends with your literal neighbours, there are opportunities that we can make the most of. As Becky Pippett says in the Empowered course in session two, don't talk as if you have all the answers and none of the problems. Admit you're a sinner. Admit your need and that you're struggling too. In this pandemic, I've found that people are far talking far less about trivial things like the weather and, and work and sport, maybe because there is no sport on at the moment. And they're far more ready to talk about what's deeper, what's meaningful, and where they're trying to find hope, peace, or purpose. Ian was out in his front garden when he saw his neighbour Tim taking the bins out. So Ian went over for a chat and he asked him how he was going. As they chatted further, Ian asked So how are you really going? This genuine, caring question allowed Tim to open up more and he shared about his struggles with work and with family. Ian said, I often pray for my friends. What can I pray for you at the moment? Uh, Tim wasn't a Christian, but, but he was happy to share something. And the next week, Ian was going out for a walk and he saw Tim and he stopped for a chat. Ian mentioned that he had prayed for him and he asked, how are you doing? Over several conversations, Ian heard more of Tim's hopes and his longing for peace and Ian had the chance to share of the difference that his trust in Jesus had made to his life and the real hope and real peace that Jesus has given him. Friends, the Lord can help you speak words of life in love. Who would you like to speak to? Brothers and sisters, in love, Jesus died to forgive all our sins. So love Jesus by loving his people and encouraging them with his words and love others by testifying 
that if they believe in him, they will have life that never ends too. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this blessed, encouraging journey through the Gospel of John. Thank you that we've been able to see Jesus, who he is and what he's done week after week. We've been left with such encouragements today of how your people, by your grace, are forgiven of their sin, restored to relationship with you, still able to serve. And Lord, you want us to take our part in taking the good news of the Lord Jesus who can give life to the world, to our neighbours, to our friends, to our family. So please, God, by your spirit, empower us to be witnesses to our Lord Jesus for the glory of his name. Amen.